So we're finally doing this. Good to finally have this podcast going. Yeah, we meant to do this months ago. Yeah, yeah. It's good that we're finally doing it. Because I, I feel like um, like for the people who come into 10 men's business, they, they only know us through the event. Like they only know us from what we've told them so far. And that's not much. Yeah, it's only still like surface level. Yeah. But um, that's why we're doing this, I guess. And I want to know more about like your military background, I, I don't really know that much other than from what you've shared, but... Um, Which also isn't much. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I guess this is an opportunity for both of us to talk about our backgrounds and also our motivations for men's business. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'll start with the motivations behind men's business. Um, I guess just going through certain things in my life, uh, being... Uh, getting into a lot of shit when I was a kid, um, you know, always in trouble at school. Yeah. Not always in trouble, but teachers had a problem with me because I, I guess, would think for myself and I wouldn't always do as I was told because I didn't agree with what was happening or whatever. Yeah. So you had like um, a rebellious nature? I did. Yeah. I did. It wasn't extreme. Um, if... If I had a teacher that was sort of open and caring and and empathic, let's say, I would always get along with them. Um, However, I did have teachers who were, let's say, not genuine. Um, You can take that whichever way you want. That was my perception of it. Um, There was one teacher in particular, I remember in fourth grade, that he was just a dick. And I, I didn't care what happened. Like, I, if he said something to me, uh, let's say he would talk down. Yeah. For example, yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was a redhead as a kid, redhead with freckles, and that would come up right. from time to time. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just wouldn't do as I was told mm. for people like that. Mm. Whereas on the other hand, other people, other teachers that were, as I said, genuine, warm sort of people, I would get along with them like a house on fire. Yeah, it's much easier, more, like much more easy to connect with a teacher when they're like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was that was where in mathematics, for example, where I was pretty good at maths when I was younger, and then I got to one year, I think it was fourth or fifth class, where I had a teacher that just didn't care, mm. switched off for me. That yeah. was it. And then from there on, I was in like maths in space. And yeah. um, then later on, when I did building for carpentry and building, for example, I didn't have an issue. Yeah. Like trigonometry and, and sort of more or less advanced maths would yeah. just come quite easily. Yeah, no, I can relate. I had um, a lot of teachers in school that I didn't resonate with. And then the ones that I did resonate with were generally like topics I really enjoyed. Mm. Like if it was drama or English or expressive kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and same as you like the teacher was actually connecting with us and actually cared about us and and our progression rather than just teachers who like to show up for a paycheck exactly yeah Yeah. you can tell you can totally see the difference and like better they show up as like the authoritative types which Mm -hmm. I never I I was the same as well when I was a kid never really respected authority Mm -hmm. like I feel like authority is kind of an earned thing, like it's got to be a mutual respect for, sure. for, for each other first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the teachers that I did resonate with, it was always, 
like they genuinely were there showing up to yeah. help us grow and to and care. improve. Yeah, exactly. Which is what the teacher should be doing. I agree totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess that's part of why I'm in men's business because I, you know. When I say been through a lot of shit, okay, let's let's go into that. I've um, had quite a few relationships before Athena, and struggled with various things, communication, um, you know, expressing what it was I was feeling at the time, etc. There were there's a whole list of things. Um, just I guess. Let's say it was probably I don't know, 15, 20 years ago where, well, there was one defining moment, as I've said, in uh, the men's business groups where something happened with me and I thought I was going to die in the back of a paddy wagon handcuffed. You got into that. I'd, I'd love to hear what the... Oh, okay. Because it sounds like, from what you're saying, like it was a catalyst for you, right? It, it was, because, because two weeks later I was on a plane to Israel and um, that's obviously where a lot of growth happened as well. Okay, so basically um, we had been at a party of friends, probably one of my best childhood friends who was married with a kid. We had been at a party drinking, um, a restaurant that his wife's family owned in Surrey Hills and his younger brother who said he would drive us home not to our knowledge, had a suspended license. So we were in the car. You know, this was going back 20 years where you'd have the windows down and being rowdy, yep. bunch of hoons, etc. Yep. Um, and we were, we were just having fun. You know, had the music up, da da da. And then obviously one police patrol spotted us, pulled us over, and then uh, they did a license check on the younger brother found that he was suspended, wanted to arrest him. My friend's wife got out and said, no, you can't. And she was a bit, she was Spanish, she's Spanish, so she has that fiery, yeah. Um, which, you know, you stand up for people and that's exactly what happened. And the cops actually ended up, there were like nine cops, so a number of patrolled cars showed up. Uh, we got into sort of a scuffle with them where there was another female cop and she just didn't like that my friend's wife. And it was all BS because they really didn't need to go that far and they were pushing us and this and that. And then um, one of the cops pushed his, my mate's wife, which understandably he reacted. Um, then the guy grabbed my friend in an arm lock sort of thing. So I came along, grabbed that cop in a headlock and pulled him off. And right, right. <laughs> um, didn't I controlled myself like I didn't cut loose or anything, but I I was standing up for them as well. Yeah. And then I got maced quite badly and ended up in the back of a paddy wagon, handcuffed, and I guess had a severe asthma attack. Um, and I couldn't call for help because I was like, uh, uh, and I was like, wow, this is gonna be a fucking shitty way to die. Like, yeah. and, I, and I thought that was it. Yeah. Um, anyway, then I sort of gasped and managed to breathe and uh, what happened after that is we, we well, they uh, pleaded not guilty and, and, you know, the cops were sort of 
rebutted, I guess, for mm. using excessive force and yeah, because I was going to say, like, some police they just abuse their oh they did their role and their force and and I uh, I had actually a ticket to Israel booked for pretty much two weeks after that, so I pleaded guilty just because I knew that if I pleaded innocent it would drag on and I just wanted to get out of here. Mm. So I was on a plane, um, headed to Israel, where I was going to live for a few years, I thought, just to sort of get out of the... Was the purpose to go and do well, military Yeah, that was work? part of it. Yeah. I definitely wanted to join the military because it's something I'd always wanted to do as a kid. Mm. Um, from being a kid and yeah just you know I was there when I was younger a few years before that I loved it wanted to go back um, had some friends there mm. no family there and yeah it's, you know headed over and I guess that was probably where I started really looking into things like I you know want to make something I've always wanted to make something out of myself but mm. I guess I was sort of too caught up in in uh, the way things had been growing up, which was being rebellious and getting into trouble, and I just sort of had enough of that. Mm. And um, going to Israel was sort of like a fresh start, you know. Like they say, there's you can go places, but you always take your baggage with you. So yeah. even though I was there it was easier to work on myself because then I sort of started speaking to people. And Israel is a lot more, it's very different. It's a very different culture. It's very family orientated. Like even people in the streets will greet you more warmly, more genuinely than yeah. sort of here. It's like everyone's sort of like, oh, hi, how are you? It's like, no one really gives a fuck how you are. They just ask that out of politeness. Yeah, but here it's like most people are just focus on themselves. And yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, then, you know, I was on uh, kibbutz, uh, this and that, and there was, you know, groups of people, and there were always tensions and this and that, and I guess that sort of brought to light what my, uh, which aspects of myself I needed to work on, because then I found that people were irritating me. I mean, I've, I've always been an introvert something I didn't actually realise until later, that I do need my alone time and I can't be around too many people too often. Yeah. It's also like, you know, um, sometimes I just, I won't look at my phone or if my phone rings, I'm just like, I can't talk now. You know, yeah. I'll get back to whoever it is later. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess when he went into a few relationships there as well, then realised I've got other things to work on. Um, saw a psychologist. Saw a, when when I did get married there. I got married and divorced there. Um, couples counselling and did dabble with uh, LSD. Mm. So that sort of brings things more to the forefront of your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if you have a bad trip, which I, yeah. I did once. Um, and yeah, so was on to Kibbutzim, um, which was quite nice. It's sort of a communal living. Then went back to Tel Aviv and joined the army. How long were you in the military for? Two and a half years. Okay. 
So I had, the compulsory term is three years. I had only had to do 100 days, I believe, at the beginning, something like that. Yeah. Just because I was 28 and the, the standard draft age is 18. So they say, you know, it's all right, you don't have to do the full thing. And I volunteered to do extra time because I wanted to be in a fighting unit. So did that, went to um, what they called Gibush Tsangkhanim, which is like, uh, I forget what the English translation is, tryouts for paratroopers, basically. Okay. Yeah. So there's like this whole two days that you go and you're carrying things and sandbags and people on stretchers and crawling and it's quite full on. Um, I finished that but I didn't get accepted. It was all new immigrants so there were 160 of us and I think they took 16 mm. in the end and from because I'd finished that I was allowed to go to whichever unit I wanted so when I was at the uh, what do you call the buckle it's like um, central command where people get allocated to the units right. so all the new drafts draftees come in uh, whatever gather around get <laughs> get worked on so you would say in Hebrew of which is like um, they tricked me into going into this <laughs> unit um, I ended up in a division of artillery which was then a secret unit and I'm not going to go into it okay. <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we did. We were sort of like a combination of. We, it wasn't the cannons. It was. We were more like uh, an infantry unit with. Let's say mechanized infantry unit. Yeah. Okay. So we had hummers. We had armored hummers. Um, a sort of tracked vehicle and. During the day-to-day -day, day static war, I would call it, with the Palestinians, we would do patrols and uh, go into villages and arrest people that had done or suspected terrorist acts, etc. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm curious to know because like, you said you were in the military for a few years. Mm. How much of a change did you feel like you went through from mm. like when you it's, first started to after you got out? It's quite big. And what was, like, without going into too much detail, like, what was a, what were some of the big, like, takeaways or experiences or things you learned about yourself? Um, okay, so from the beginning, I guess being ten years older than everyone, I really saw the um, childlike mentality, I guess. Yeah of everyone who was 18, you have to be 18 to go in, so, yeah. you know, we did... Um, so it would have been very green and like... Yeah, very, just straight out of high school. Yeah. Um, so we had, God, what was basic? Basic was six months, then three months advanced, and then another, I did three, another three months of um, commander's course, because I became a sergeant. And the the change that I saw in, in, it's literally boys to men, like yeah. from the beginning until the end, you know, you, they break you down. Yeah. They make you, the, the commanders make you hate them. Um, I think this probably me being a bit older or whatever, I just, because I studied, um, this before I went to Israel, I studied two and a half years of psych. Yeah. So I guess I had a, an understanding, I mean, that's, 
it's just common sense really to know that this is a game. Yeah. They break you down. That was the structure, right? The structure. Yeah. They break you down, you know, you're dead tired. Okay, do more push-ups, do this, do that, do that. You, it's full on. And it was in the intention to break you down, but also to build you back to up. To build you right? back up. And make That's, you more resilient. Yeah. And, yeah. To know that you can actually do whatever you put your mind to. And overcome those mental challenges. Yes. Yeah. So even if you're physically exhausted, and all you have to do is think, fuck it, I want to do this, and you do it. Yeah. Like get that inner resolve. Yeah. 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 And that's something I saw, like, just realising as well that within seven minutes, the amount of things you can get done. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you'd have to... Going, going into things like you, you literally had seven minutes to shit if you had to. So you had to yeah. run to the toilet, yeah. shit, and then come back or dig a hole, whatever. Yeah. Um, or pack up tents, move one base or one uh, post to another location. Yeah. And um, it's not just that, that, you know, the whole basic training of, of the, like when you see obstacle courses and things like yeah. that, that wasn't really a big part of it. We spent a lot of time in classrooms and a lot of time running, shooting, obviously. Yeah. Um, I was a sharpshooter as well, so I had a, have, have a very good shot. Yeah. And um, I guess just the main thing that I took from it was realizing that once you set your mind to something, you, nothing's gonna stop you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that mental capacity to overcome, like, because it does sound like what you're saying. There's an element of the physical challenge, but the mental challenge is more the result it's, from it's it. It's right? all in your mind. Yeah. yeah. You, your your mind decides. Yes, your body's going to follow. That's as simple as it gets. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. Even right if you're shitting your pants, like, yeah. literally from exhaustion, all you have to do is say, "Fuck it, I'm going to do this," and and you'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mental toughness. It's huge. Yeah. So aside from your background in the military, you said you have a bit of experience with psych. Mm. Um, and also, I've heard you mention that you've got a background in plant ceremonial. Yeah, I um, did what was called the, what is it? Plant spirit ceremonialist, ceremonialist training. I so like this came after? That came winter? after. This was, yeah, yeah quite, a, quite a while after, like 10 years after that. Um, so there's a body in Melbourne uh, named Shamanic Energy Training, which is Sharon and Joe. There's a great couple. They're really powerful in their medicine and, and space holding. Really grounded. They'll admit their shortcomings, and I think that's something why I really resonated with them. Mm. Um, so it was uh, pretty much a 10-day intensive in Bali. Okay, yeah. Um, where we just went through all sorts of things, a lot of Taoist um, stuff that came into it. Um, space holding, obviously, preparing of, of uh, brews, etc. drumming. Um, before that also, we had to do an online drumming thing, uh, learning how to do the shamanic drum, how to play the shamanic drum. Um, then there was a 12-month... Uh, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? I've lost the word. 
the just a 12 month thing. Yeah, yeah, like fun. mentorship, that's the right. 12 month mentorship after that, where yeah, we sort of had like a, she called it a coven um, online, and we'd all communicate with each other and still do to a point. And, you know, there were some really good people in that, that thing. And was this your first foray into like spiritual community and spiritual mm. training and that kind of thing? Or. Mm. Like what, what, cause I'm curious, like what planted the seed for you to go and explore that? Like hmm. you, it must've been after military course, but like yeah. what, what I, started that journey? I think my sort of, I guess, spiritual awakening as everyone calls it was around 2015, 16. Hmm. Um, there was a girl involved and then I started, I don't know, I just became, I've always been sort of spiritual, I've always known there was something else that was like in the army, it was, I, I won't say it was sick, but I was never scared. I just knew that it was okay, nothing. There's no fear. Yeah, it doesn't, like even there were some things that happened that uh, could have been, you know, some people probably shit themselves, but yeah, I don't know. I so, just, I've just always known that there's um, a team by my side or at my back. Like a feeling that's guiding you kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I first got into it, I guess that, yeah, it was like, I don't know if you believe in that whole twin flame thing. And that was I where, I, it, yeah. where I thought someone, well, they probably are my twin flame, but um, that was sort of what got me into it. And then I realized that I don't really care if I'm with her or not. It's me. It's my mission here on Earth. That your inner work, your journey. My inner work, exactly. Yeah. And that part of that is to help others find their inner strength and, and um, their inner guidance, let's say, and mm. you know, awaken to the possibilities of, of an evolved humanity, mm. spiritually evolved humanity. Man, I got chills hearing you say that. Like, <laughs> I, can, I can relate in a lot of ways as well. Like I had a spiritual awakening myself, um, probably 2012, I think. Yeah. I, I had a really bad breakup. Yeah. I was dealing with a lot of trauma and unresolved shit from my, my upbringing, yeah. kicked out of home, exposed to lots of shit I shouldn't have been exposed to at a young age. I never really dealt with it. And then I think when I had that breakup, that kind of pushed me Triggered over the edge. Everything. It brought back all the feelings of like abandonment and all that kind of stuff. And just at the same time, I discovered um, Eckhart Tolle, mm -hmm. the New Earth and, mm -hmm. and like all his teachings are about like being in the present moment and finding that place and everything. The power of now. The power of now. And, and that was a huge, like among many other experiences I've had, but that was a big one for me. That was like spiritual journey 101 push in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And like throughout that and, and several other experiences I've had over time, getting involved in community. I used to do a bit of youth work and I found myself in that for a little while as well. And I developed that love for supporting other people mm. and like helping other people find the gift or just see the potential in themselves. Yeah. Like we all have some potential in ourselves Everyone in some does. way. Um, and sometimes it just takes having a guide yeah. or someone to push you in the right direction or, or make you realize <coughs> you've got that. And to help you not be trapped by your limiting beliefs. 
Exactly. Yeah. And we all have limiting beliefs to some degree. And sometimes it's not even us. It's sometimes it's like conditioning or our parents or somebody else putting their limiting beliefs on us. Yeah. Well, yeah. look at, you know, they, psychology says that ages one to seven are the prime time for, for uh, programming your subconscious mind. So 100%. if you you don't even know what you're hearing at the time, that's going in and that's staying there. That's creating your thought patterns. Yeah. That's why your, your I'm really conscious with my daughter. Like I, I want to make sure that she has all the tools and she that she has the tools that I didn't have when I was younger mm. and the encouragement and the self-belief most importantly yeah yeah that's yeah that's yeah, that's the key yeah what why I'm here I guess yeah because it sounds like you and I have that similarity that we've both done a lot of our own inner work mm -hmm. and now we want to share what we know and help other guys yeah and and that's what I think keeps me coming back and feeling so motivated about men's business is that the guys we connect with they're all similar minded they all they want are. to get better yeah. and um, like we're in such a great opportunity to share what we've learnt and connect with them and, and like but yeah it's not only what what we have it's I mean sharing with other people it's yeah. like you know the last event that we had with uh, what was that guy's name and he shared that book with us and the knowledge on, oh, yeah. on dietary yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, I agree with that too. Like, like, I think you mentioned it once at one of the meetups. Like, just as much as we are teachers, we're learning as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I've always held that philosophy of you know we're all teachers and all students. It's yeah. You know, I'm your teacher and your student, and, 100%. and vice versa. Yeah. That's yeah. And back to what we were saying before about teachers as well. Like, they make some of the best teachers. Like, they're students of life. They. They're always constantly learning and taking in things and then mm. teaching again and you learn as you teach as well. Like I'm sure I speak for myself here, but like I've learned a lot of things about myself doing these men's groups and like I say it every month, but like every time I go to men's business, I feel like I grow a little bit more as a person. Me too. Yeah. It's like a subtle shift, but I notice the differences about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I've felt that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what now? <laughs> so what now? Um, I guess going into a bit more about um, maybe we can talk about our experiences with um, with medicine. Mm. Like we both dabbled and explored different medicines. Yeah, because I'm just looking at there, like where I've got those certificates stuck up. Um, yeah. I. So I thought I should explore that as well a bit. Yeah. Just because I did a metaphysics 12-month uh, course, which, apart from knowing the basics already of chakras and you know how energy works, etc., I that really got me into sort of the quantum physics um, realm. Let's call it. Yeah. Where. Yeah, it's all it's all great to know, etc. But I'm also very. I guess scientifically minded. I want to see it mm. as a fact, yeah. not not just some woo woo sort of shit. Yeah, I hear you on with that too. Um, I guess that's where Joe Dispenza and things like that come in, where I like to see things registered on yeah. you know, graphs. Yeah, if you see his books, like they're packed full of graphs and info about <laughs> These, the science behind yeah, it. EKGs and yeah, UCGs. Yeah. Um, Yes, and I guess with Reiki, because Athena's a master, I 
forget what qualification it is, it's like a master teacher or whatever. Um, it was funny, I was never called to it. And then just at one point she said, do you want to come to this class? And I thought, yeah, I'll go. And then that, I guess, opened up a few channels and my intuition also sharpened. Yeah. Um, I've always been intuitive and that's sort of been my guide, I guess, that's led me to calm down a bit and, yeah. um, you know, I still like the boisterous things. I had it, you saw my last car was a WRX that had worked onto it and yeah. Yeah. loud obnoxious exhaust and yeah. Yeah. I like shooting rifles and guns and punching things and inspiring. <laughs> yeah, like the, the perfect balance of like the wild man and then, and I was going to say like a healer as well. But, but I like, think that's important. Yeah. For me anyway, it's an important balance because I don't want to be, you know, some peace, no offense, but long, long hair, long hair. and sit yeah. there meditating. No, I, yeah. I like the There's uh, like groundedness. I won't say violence, but I yeah. think it's um, part of the world we live in. Like, what was that quote you shared? So yeah, as I was saying that, that quote that you shared on social media about how, maybe you can share it. Um, yeah, so a harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very dangerous man who has it voluntarily under control. Yeah. Which, yeah, we were just talking about um, the same circle that we went to, the men's medicine one, where you can tell that there are men that would have the ability to rip someone's head off if they really had to, yeah. yet choose to live in their heart, yeah. which I think is huge. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an important point to make. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. Mm -hmm. And then we all have these different archetypes. Sometimes we lean more towards certain archetypes, but I think it's important to have a balance of it all. Like you can't, like you, you can never really become the king archetype unless you've had that warrior archetype. For sure. You can't really build a kingdom unless you've had the magician archetype and you know how to manifest things into reality. Yep. And so you need the, the idealism and intuition and inspiration and all the divine aspect brought through, but you also need the physical grounded, turn things into reality aspect. Yep. Yeah. Which is, which is like, I feel like when just talking to you about your experience with the military and then combining it with all the like spiritual aspect as well, it's like a perfect medium of the two and they meet in the middle to turn things into reality. Yeah. Yeah. And then that circles back to what we're doing with men's business, you know, like our intention with it, trying to make a difference in, in the communities that we exist in. And yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I guess we go back to the thing of, of we're not just warriors or we're not just providers. Like we have emotions also, and we've been taught to suppress them. You know, okay, we came out of, the dark ages or whatever, if you want to call it, the, you know, we had to fight. Yeah. You know, 70 years ago, the world was at war. Every, every, you know, there was almost every country fighting each other. That, you know, you think about what somebody would have seen through a, if they made it from the beginning to, if, as a soldier, you would have, you'd be scarred. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of shit you've got to bury deep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, now with these days, 
we I think we have legitimate claims of being able to to talk about that and yeah. to release it because you know uh, we didn't really go into my childhood but I I was an accident my mother was 17 she didn't want me yeah. my dad left her when she was before she'd even given birth she was kicked out of the house by her grandfather by my grandfather yeah. you know there's a lot of trauma from day one yeah man i got full goosebumps here <laughs> standing up on my arms because i feel what you're saying man like it i can only imagine how much of a psychological experience that was for you growing up and mm. how much of a weight on you well you know I, I sorted it out for the better part um yeah and we'll go into hopefully we'll go into the plant medicine part of it yeah. um soon but yeah i i just think that it's important you know men as we've seen some, you know, through some of the statistics that we we say we uh, provide at, at the meetings, at the events, um, men have the most dangerous jobs, highest suicide rates, highest homelessness. Yeah. Um, the list goes on. And still, there's a huge stigma around talking about mm. what the deal. Well, there is. It's, you know, the, for me, because I'm a carpenter, I grew up, you know, being on building sites, and that it's like I have a you know, teaspoon of cement and hard the fuck up. And toughen up and man up and the, that's conditioning, that's programming from... Yeah, you know, like there's a time and a place for that because if you're in the middle, let's say if you're in the middle of a firefight, you're not going to break down and cry because you're going to die. Yeah. There is a time and a place for yeah. it. But if you have something that you want to get off your chest, then you are fully in your right to do so. Yeah by whatever means yeah. not, not going crazy yeah yeah but like it's it's essential too man because like like one thing I keep thinking about is the intergenerational patterns like my my dad didn't have the experience of having a men's group to mm -hmm. talk about his feelings mm -hmm. and you know I think that might have been to his detriment because it in, imprinted his kids in the future and you know I believe there's going to come a time where men are going to be really comfortable with expressing themselves or at least there's going to be more places and spaces for people to to share what's going on and process their emotions in a healthy way yeah um and intergenerationally that's how i think about it like it's gonna it, it keeps pushing down the line you keep affecting you affect your kids they learn that they they share it with their family and friends yeah like we can break those curses and well yeah that's i mean you go into the whole a spiritual healing thing that you know also you can go into epigenetics where it's scientifically proven that DNA changes because of you know for example people who went through the world second world war or whatever they had high stress levels high cortisol levels constantly that gets handed down to their children mm -hmm. then their kids are stressors they don't know why they're stressed but they are yeah. that you know gets them into trouble and then they start fucking up or you know getting arrested or you know all of this stuff is is huge to to the future, our future, yeah. our kids' future, yeah. our the future of humanity. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah then you've got the yeah, like the timeline therapy that yeah. we did at the uh, men's medicine um, thing, which is you know I, I've done that a few times with Athena, the NLP thing. That's also um, because I do believe that there is more than just our physical body. We can sort of get out of our body, go into our higher selves, go back to that event, change what happened, and then heal from that. And that kind of leads me into, um, like that, that 
there's a there's a thing I saw once about how like it takes one person to just stand up and say I'm gonna break the intergenerational curses mm-hmm. I'm gonna do the healing on myself and that healing doesn't just affect the future generations it affects the past, the past as well, as well yeah. and then you know what we're talking about what I want to lead into is that both of us have had experiences with like plant ceremony mm-hmm. and we've had insights and and you know ancestral like experiences um but ayahuasca i think has become a lot more mainstream now and people are a lot more open-minded mm-hmm. and i'd love to dive into that with you like what mm-hmm. what are some things that you've learned about yourself or you know um those experiences you've like your ancestors and guides talking through you and, and letting you know um ayahuasca ayahuasca i've done i've sat it's 11 or 12 ceremonies. That's way more than I have. Um, each one has been uniquely different. different. Yeah. Um, each, <clears throat> each one you come out of it feeling different. Mm. Um, no okay. two experiences are the same, that's for sure. No. Well, I had... A similar theme with a few of them. I think it was just because of the place that I was living in. Um, <laughs> the story was that it was demon ridden, so I was apparently getting attacked nightly, getting, I guess, my life force drained. Um, so every time during that period that I'd sat ceremony, I pretty much got put to sleep and rested. Within, within that, also getting. Um, a few highlights and uh, messages or recommendations to change this or change that. Mm. Um, however, there were <clears throat> quite a few powerful ones that went around my mother because um, I rarely purge. Um, most of the, I sort of need to do a shit and don't really have to run to the toilet or anything. I just get that feeling like, okay, it's time now. So I go walk off. Um, stroll off <laughs> tend to walk slowly especially if it's cold um, yeah and there was one particular one that I had it was quite powerful where I just had all this shit for my mum come up and you know her higher self my higher self a lot of forgiveness this and that and then right at the end just this fucking purge that felt like it was from hell just I just never vomited like that in my life just let it rip yeah and then the second I'd stopped well, I wouldn't say the second like two or three minutes later I felt like magic yeah like this I lightness. just knew that that had been healed and gone yeah yeah I had a similar experience once too the second time I did ayahuasca I've only done it twice I remember this one time a purge was coming and I had no I had no water on me I was it was dehydrated mm. and I was like at a point where I was like I knew there was something that needed to come up to but I couldn't and I kept getting this message like I was who was pushing me to go to the bathroom to look in the mirror and make a choice mm. like am I going to get rid of this and I had to look myself in the eye literally like I felt like I was being guided mm-hmm. to look myself in the eye in the mirror and make a choice to start the healing hydrated myself let the purge come out 
bro, it was intense. Like, it, it felt like, man, it wasn't just normal vomiting. Like, it felt like yeah. a, a spiritual purging. Like, there was an energy coming out of me that was there for so long that I didn't know I, was, I had. And um, Did got, got rid of it, man. And, and, and then that's when the downloads came in. Like, I had so many insights about myself and ways I could change my life and things that I need to focus on more of. Um, I had this one really profound experience about how it was ayahuasca was telling me that like poetry and creative expression is my healing ability mm. it's my way of like sharing my gift yeah, with the world medicine so yeah to speak. And, and it was basically telling me like i need to learn how to harness that skill because it's a channeling ability cool like that's where i'll get my inspiration and insight to share mm. um and not only that, like, one really standout one that I had was she was telling me that, um, you ever seen that thing? It's like a, it's a Japanese philosophy where they have, it's a thing called kintsugi, where, like, if ceramics break, they piece it together with gold. gold yeah. And, they, and, and the, the meaning behind that is that in all the cracks, that's where the beauty lies. Mm. And, like, basically... Ayahuasca was telling me, like, we are all like that. Human beings are like that. We get injured. We get wounds psychologically, mentally, spiritually. And that's where the light comes out of us. Yeah. Like, we need to break in order to heal and need to, in order to, like, experience a deeper level of life. Yeah. And then that leads into our, our journeys in, like, how we can help heal other people. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, the, the whole dark night of the soul thing. Um for me it was three or four months <laughs> um, you know a lot of people have that also some people sort of have realizations come to mind quicker but I just am a bit stubborn sometimes um, yeah and that was I was shattered mm. like I was broken yeah yeah I, I, you just reminded me of one really, the first time I ever purged, I had, I cried like I'd never cried before. Mm. It was the deepest, most soulful cry I've ever had. Mm. It felt really healing. Mm -hmm. And what I was crying over was my oldest sister who, like I, I'm open about it, she has had a drug addiction for like, like the better half of 20 years. She now has like really intense mental health problems. Yeah. And, um, I cried like I'd never cried, man. And what ayahuasca showed me was that, like, while there is all that pain there, look how much love there is as well. There's yeah. so much unconditional love for your your family, but also just remember to have that unconditional love for yourself. And that's when I purged, and it was just like this unbelievable experience. Um, mm. Yeah, it's... Um it's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, um, but that's that's the thing. When you have those sort of deep-rooted pains or um, wounds that sometimes you have to go through it, you have to face it point blank, accept it, embrace it, um, no matter how dark or ugly it is. Mm. And that's the only way you'll get through it. Yeah. And I, I has that 
ability to to show you oh, yeah. like the worst parts of yourself the sure. dark parts of yourself and then offer you the opportunity to change mm-hmm. and to and that, that's what the whole integration part is right like, it's about taking those lessons yeah. and then it's doing something with it exactly it's not yeah. just the ceremony it goes on for weeks or months or potentially years afterwards so, i mean yeah. i've the last time i did i was i don't know a couple of years ago i think it's getting close to and I've kind of felt the call for it yeah. recently um, I guess this has been an integration process where I've um, you know so grateful for Athena's channeling ability um, have had lots of guidance around certain things and that combined with IR and you know I've done cactus as well Mushrooms, I microdose with mushrooms here and there. And um, I guess the, the psilocybin aspect is to uh, rewire my brain, so to speak, because I still I see a psychologist just more out of uh, maintenance, I guess, once mm. a month to, I don't know, whatever, there's always something that comes up and it's always helpful. Mm. Um, and I guess because what my future plan is I'd really like to combine plant medicine with a type of psychotherapy because I think that is hugely powerful. I think that's going to be the future too. I'm 100%. hopeful that. I, it's got to be. Like yeah. it has to be. I think so. I think there's you know, a big renaissance going on with like psychedelics mm-hmm. and that eventually this is my hope that there's going to be clinics that are assisted and there's yeah. proper setting. Oh, it has to be and proper setting. And, and there's a shaman and that, mm. like, it's it's very respectful of the culture and everything, but it's also going to be much more accessible and it's not going to be such a big focus on, like, um, just the, the medicinal industry that we have now. Like, it's going to look at a more holistic approach. Well, the industry we have now is obsolete. It is. It is. It always yeah. has been. Yeah. Um, to a point, no, there are some very valuable medicines that are in modern medicine. Yeah. However, I'm not discounting that at all. No, not yeah. at all. Not at all. Um, however, some things that are derivatives of plants, well, just take the plant. Yeah. Why bother? Yeah. You know, you're getting much more pure, potent. You're getting it. You know, that's one thing that I sort of went through with the plant spiritual ceremonialist training was that. Each plant has an energy. Yeah. It's connected to the earth. We're from the earth. Everything, when worked in unison, when he's working in unison, then you are balanced. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I heard this one phrase. Somebody said once that ayahuasca is like 10 years of therapy in a single city. Fuck yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know. It gets straight to the point, straight to the source. No bullshit. Like, I've heard and stories it's... of like people who have recovered from drug addictions mm. for like decades. And then they never touch drugs again yep. after that. Ebola, Iboga? Iboga, yeah. Ebola. Yeah. Iboga, um, the African variant, I guess. Um, high success rate. High success rate with uh, cutting addictions, yeah. tobacco, nicotine, heroin. Even harder drugs like heroin and, mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, um, these plants are here to, to yeah. work with us. Yeah. All we got to do is work with them. Yeah, 100%. And each other. <laughs> and each other, which is, you know, it leads into, you know, what we're doing with men's business too. Right? Like, yeah. both really, like, and, and like, I'm, I'm saying it out loud, but like, we both 
really care about you know helping other guys yeah i what we know i kind of the first first uh, event that we did ceremony i guess it was partly ceremony because we do anyone that doesn't know we we do the sort of circle ceremony workshop style like it's held in that yeah we try and do it in a you know get as much as you can out of one one meeting um practical tools uh, anyway and the after the first one where i felt that i just saw and the feedback we got that the guys you know everyone was sort of really staunch and not wanting to talk to each other in the waiting room and and I sort of just went down and thought, fuck it, okay, we've got to break the ice and do this and do that. And then by the end, everyone was hugging and had shared, you know, in, intimate things. Like for men, they, yeah. we got, we, you know, you don't have to go into your deepest, darkest secrets, but, you know, it, just to know that there's other men out there that are experiencing the same thing and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had one of the guys mention to me once that he's shared things that he's never shared with yeah. his closest friends. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of it because, man, if we don't do it, then we're just not going to make it. Yeah. You know, we have to drop all that, you know, I won't say smash the patriarchy, but there are some things that are okay. But we, we need to honour our women, man. We need 100%. to honour ourselves and, and the planet and animals and, you know, I feel like we're running out of time as well. Not not in terms of our episode, but like humanity. Oh, for sure. Changes, man. There's like it's it's gotten to critical point now. Yeah. It's like you know this whole COVID thing. No matter which way you look at it, it's really um, shone a light on how fucked up uh, society is. And mental health. As mental a health, as well like, as not treated as well as it should be. You know the the fact that the governments were locking down so hard and people were suiciding and depression and, and, and domestic abuse, domestic abuse that, that you can't justify yeah. anyway yeah i'm gonna get into that part. but i mean that 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 is like big motivation why we do this right like that's part of the, yeah. the fight if you will like, yeah well to counteract the yeah i try to look at things not so much as fighting but aligning because a fight is a fight that's not the t- I guess that's not the right term, but I meant in terms of like the good fight for humanity. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying, like aligning with the cause. Yeah. Yeah. With, you know, a balanced um, planet. Yeah. Yeah. Culture, society. It's, it's never going to be a utopia, but... Who knows? <laughs> Maybe when the UFOs come. Uh, well, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, yeah, that could actually make an interesting podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we can leave that for another one. We're not going to go into that yeah. now. But um, yeah. do you feel like there's anything else that we can include? Or? Um, well, um, don't know. don't think so. I mean, there's lots we could. Yeah, just I, I feel like maybe wanna... this is the start of many more to come. Yeah, yeah. well... You know, we we wanted to do this as an introduction to ourselves and help people get to know us a bit better and get the word out and, you know. And our plan is to interview, like, our guest speakers. Guest speakers, yeah. yeah, We want to have guest speakers. uh, Obviously, people that are like-minded and and 
uh, yeah, just wanting to help each other and grow. Yeah, and shine a spotlight on mental health. And <laughs> That's a big one. And like, give each other more tools to work with as well. Yeah. Because it is important, like I just remember first, you know, when I was younger and had anxiety and depression and this and that and um, learning tools that would snap me out of it and I was just like, oh wow, this is great, you know, I can go from being, wanting to, you know, neck yourself to, okay, things aren't so bad, I can, I can do this or I can set these goals and work for them and it's going to be okay. And it's like, fuck, it seems like lifetimes ago mm. um, yeah that's it man I think we're on a never-ending journey of, of growing and evolving like it, oh, that know. men's medicine thing for me was really big as well mm. like I've got some new tools to work with it's stuff like that I value yeah. way more than like material things these days well that was that was one thing as well because I realized that I want to also at the same time attend other men's um, groups, etc., workshops, because it's a never-ending journey. I always want to be expanding. I never want to be stagnant. Yep. Um, and I feel that as we grow, we can help others grow even more. Yeah. Um, in whichever way, if, it, you know, if we end up holding plant medicine ceremonies or just workshops where we, I don't know, learn about plants and... Yeah, yeah. Punching bags, I don't know. Yeah. Because yeah. that the last one that we did with the Krav Maga, that was pretty good. Like yeah. everyone by the end of the thing was in a great, great frame of mind. Yeah. And even some of the guys mentioned that they weren't in the best frame of mind coming into it. Mm. That it helped them yeah. cross that, that feeling. And that's what we're after. Yeah. To help people know that it's okay to feel down, it's okay to feel whatever, yet that's not you're fixed like you know you don't have to stay there yeah 100% you can and will if you want to yeah move and, and grow and achieve and yeah. do whatever the fuck you put your mind to 100% yeah <laughs> I think that wraps up everything in a perfect bow right there man yep what you just said yeah sweet good first episode yeah 